Are the Atlanta Falcons poised to take over the NFC South with their busy offseason? We talk about that. Look at the latest in the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson situation. Also talk about the Steelers and what they've done this offseason. All coming up next here on this episode of Locked On NFL. You are Locked On NFL. Your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On NFL Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Monday. That means you have me, Kevin Ostriker, one of the many NFL experts here on our network, or free and available on all podcasting platforms, including over on YouTube. So be sure to subscribe for free, both in audio and in video form, where you can find our latest episodes, turn notifications on. We are a five-day-a-week daily NFL podcast, so any NFL news, analysis, updates, we have it here for you unlocked on NFL. Here today, though, we're going to be diving into a lot of NFL content, the biggest stories throughout the course of this last week here. And a lot of it has to do with some of these bird teams. Talk about bird teams in the first and second segments for reaching, talking about the Steelers in the third segment there. So we'll first start with the Atlanta Falcons and Aaron Freeman of Locked On Falcons, where we'll talk about Calais Campbell, Scotty Miller, and the huge offseason Atlanta's had and whether they're now poised to take over the NFC South division. Then in the second segment, me being the host of Locked On Ravens, I'm going to take you through the latest in the Lamar Jackson and Baltimore Ravens situation is last time I talked to you here on Monday, the trade request for Lamar Jackson had not gone down yet. So we'll talk about that trade situation, what it could be if a trade is likely and more. Then in the final segment, as I talked about, we'll talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers with Chris Carter of Locked On Steelers as we'll get into Keanu Neal, Patrick Peterson, and where the Steelers kind of rank right now in that AFC North division at the moment. So without any further ado, let's now dive into our first conversation with Aaron Freeman of Locked On Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons have had quite the busy offseason improving their team, both offensively, but on that defensive side of the ball. That's the key. And here to talk about that with me, Aaron Freeman, the host of Locked on Falcons. And Aaron, this has been a really good offseason for Atlanta, at least personally. I think they've added a ton to their defense. And one of those recent signings, Calais Campbell, obviously released by the Baltimore Ravens. Atlanta scoops him up on what I think is a pretty good deal for both Campbell and Atlanta. But what, what does he bring to this organization, both on and off the field in your eyes? Yeah, he uh, brings a lot to this organization. Uh, obviously, Kevin, you're well aware of sort of what he brings to the table off the field. Former Walter Payton Man of the Year award winner, a big part of the reason why he came to Atlanta uh, is because Arthur Blank, the Falcons owner, called him a big uh, contributor to the community and basically enticed Calais Campbell to choose Atlanta in part due to what he could do off the field. But on the field, he's going to bring a lot. And I know a lot of people look at him. He's 37. He's not the player that he once was. He's still a really good football player. And for the Atlanta Falcons, a team that has been one of the worst pass rushes in the NFL, any competent pass rusher and Calais Campbell is more than competent uh, is a huge step forward for this football team that has been at the bottom of the league in sack production for a number of years and it's just all part of this sort of remodeling and remaking of the Falcons defense, which has been their biggest weakness over the years. And that has been a big part of their investment this offseason with a number of moves. And Calais Campbell, while maybe not the best player that they added this offseason, is one of the more high profile guys and certainly will be a big contributor to the Falcons defense this year. 
Right, and that defensive transformation Atlanta's undergone is not just Calais Campbell. It's a lot of guys. You bring in Jesse Bates if you're the Falcons, a huge addition to that back end, a couple of other defensive linemen. It's been, people call them the Atlanta Saints. They've added a ton of former Saints players here and obviously coaches as well. But how excited are you, Aaron, about this transformation Atlanta's undergone here on defense? It's it's a big move for the Falcons because, as I said, like their defense has been a major liability these last several years. And, you know, I was talking about this on lockdown Falcons. It's been 20 years since the Falcons had a season where they had 40 or more sacks. And that's like a league average production. Like I think the league average last year was 40 sacks. So the fact is that the Falcons have had a below average pass rush for a decade and getting Calais Campbell, adding David on Yamada, Caden Ellis, two former saints that can help enhance that pass rush. Hopefully more moves will come in the draft, getting a big, time uh safety like jesse bates to be sort of the quarterback of this sort of remade defense and the hope is i think for the atlanta falcons is that they can at least have a competent defense and if they can do that then they will have a chance to be a successful team this year in large part due to the fact that in the fourth quarter if the opposing team has the football there's actual belief that the Atlanta Falcons will get a stop. And I know everybody's probably snickering right now because the Falcons are infamous for not getting stops in the fourth quarter against certain teams when they're coming back and whatnot. And so hopefully they can change that narrative with, with some of the defensive players that they've added this offseason. Yeah, that you know, you mentioned that offensive side of the ball too, and some of just what has happened there this offseason. You know, Russell Gage goes from Atlanta to Tampa last offseason. Well, Atlanta says, you know, we're gonna take one of your guys and bring in Scotty Miller. From the Bucks, you get big offensive line extensions there. I know a lot of people are enticed about this young core, Desmond Ritter, Tyler Algier, Drake London. But again, to have some of these veteran presence guys like, like a Scotty Miller, what does that bring to the table? Speed with Scotty Miller specifically. That's something that the Falcons really lacked, and hopefully they will continue to add more speed in the draft later this month. But the Falcons certainly needed something at that wide receiver position that could, you know, Scotty Miller – can take the top off a of defense. You can throw screens to him and just let him go. And that was something that the Bucks were able to use. He wasn't really featured in Tampa Bay in large part due to how many talented receivers they've had over the years. And so I think even though this seems like a low key, no nothing signing because Scotty Miller spent most of his time in Tampa Bay as the fourth or fifth receiver in that lineup, he'll have an opportunity in Atlanta to have a much more expanded role. And we can kind of really see what he can bring to the table. But I think the Falcons have a, a young core, obviously home from Desmond Ritter at the quarterback position, Tyler Algier at the running back position, Drake London at the wide receiver position, of course, Kyle Pitts at the tight end position. And, you know, Kyle Pitts missed uh, the second half of the season last year due to a knee injury. But the rest of those young pieces all really finished the season relatively strong in the month of December and January. And so the hope is that those guys can pick up where they left off. Kyle Pitts can get back to being the very productive player that he was his rookie season when he sort of had a thousand yard season, uh, the second best uh, season for a tight end in NFL history in his rookie season in terms of, of yardage production. And with additions like Matt Collins bringing some size, Scotty Miller with some speed and, and a stable offensive line, which has not been uh, the case in Atlanta for a number of years with some of the resignings that they made this offseason. You know, you have a, a nice young core of pieces on offense that you feel pretty comfortable with growing over the next couple of years and, and sort of the sky's the limit on what they can bring. Right. And for Scotty Miller, he was buried on that depth chart down in Tampa. You know, you had Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, even a guy like Russell Gage. So more opportunities for Scotty Miller, I think, is a really good thing for him. 
But Aaron, when you look at the NFC South right now, it's a really intriguing and interesting division because Tampa, they're going through some stuff. Obviously, Tom Brady retires. It's the Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trash show, it feels like, over there. Car- Carolina's really intriguing. I like their offseason, but who's the quarterback? What, what pick is that going to be at number one there? I mean, I feel like for what Atlanta can do in this division, you know, you kind of look at each and every team there. They could have a shot in this division. I know New Orleans is a team that people look at. They're still very talented. But what's their ceiling? What's their ceiling with Derek Carr? We don't know. Do you think Atlanta's positioned to maybe make a real run in this division and take it over? Yeah, I think I think they are. Uh, you know, the NFC South is anybody's race, right? That's what it was last year. I don't think that's going to change in 2023. It probably will boil down to which team gets the best quarterback play and which team can stay healthiest, which is probably going to be the team that ultimately walks away with the division crown this season. And I feel like the Falcons have as good a chance as any of these teams to come out on top. A lot is going to rest on sort of what Desmond Ritter, he, we saw flashes of him in those final four games of the season, but the hope is with a full off season of being able to get those number one reps, having a year under his belt of understanding the offense, building that for familiarity there was a really strong rapport between him and drake london at the end of the season uh, with kyle pitts out and if he and kyle pitts can get on the same page i know fantasy football owners are going to certainly be happy about that because they constantly complained about kyle pitts and marcus mariota not being on the same page so i do feel like the falcons have as good a shot as anybody in, in the nfc south and and certainly can walk away with that division crown and, and potentially getting back to the playoffs for the first time in, in over five seasons huge shout out to aaron for hopping on talking Falcons with me and for more on Aaron's work and of course the Falcons be sure to check out the Locked On Falcons podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network your team every day coming up on our second segment though I'll be sticking with the bird team theme talking Lamar Jackson I'll be taking you through the latest on that trade request and more so be sure to stay tuned so lots to dive into on Locked On NFL but first today's episode is brought to you by Ultimate Football GM and you've heard me talk about this mobile game app and if you've ever thought you'd make a good GM you have to give this game a try it's not as easy as you might think to create a dynasty when you play Ultimate Football GM you have to control manage every strategic aspect of your team as you play through seasons and lead your team to glory trying to build a historic dynasty and there are so many fun things you can do in Ultimate Football GM you have to make so many good and bad decisions and whether you make a good or bad decision really impacts the consequences to your franchise and once you download it you don't even need Wi-Fi to play it you can do it in app play and you can play this with your friends or your family it is a super fun an immersive experience with Ultimate Football GM. You're responsible for controlling the destiny of your franchise by hiring the right coaches and coordinators, managing all the finances, negotiating player salaries, and also you navigate your franchise through free agency and the draft, injuries, player personnel issues, and all the ups and downs of the season. All of this in a challenging and realistic game role. Ultimate Football GM is going to be free and playable, offline, play on the go as you want and when you want to. Locked on NFL listeners get 100% free boost of their franchise using the promo code Locked on in all caps in the game. So that's Locked on in all caps. So make sure to check it out today to download the game since it's Ultimate dashgm.com or look it up on the app stores that's also my dashgm.com ultimate football gm start your dynasty today we return here to our second segment locked on nfl here on monday kevin ostraker still here with you as we just talked about the atlanta falcons with aaron freeman locked on falcons now i'll be taking you through lamar jackson <laughs> the baltimore ravens and everything that's gone over the over the past week because it's been again it just seems like thing on top of thing on top of thing stacks on top of each other so the last time our show came out here on Monday. The Lamar Jackson trade request had not dropped yet. So long story short with that is on Monday, Lamar Jackson tweeted out kind of an update for his fans and said that he requested a trade from the Ravens organization on March 2nd. So at that time, it was nearly three weeks after the trade request had been put in. And also the trade request got put in before the non-exclusive franchise tag was applied to Lamar. So while a lot of these people were thinking, all right, 
this is probably just a situation where on that non-exclusive franchise tag, Lamar can go out there and look for a potential offer sheet partner who will be willing to sign him to an offer sheet and give up those two first round picks. Maybe this was actually something where Lamar was out there looking for a trade partner and looking for that contract that he wanted and maybe like a sign and trade type deal or something along those lines. But the trade request was a pretty big deal. Obviously, the Ravens have not been willing to meet what Lamar believes he's worth. And that was in the, in the tweets that Lamar put out there saying that the Ravens have not been willing to reach what he believes he's worth. And he had to make the best decision both for him and his family. So I don't think this is an organizational issue where Lamar is just done with the Ravens and there's no repairing their relationship. I don't think it's that at all. What I think it is, is what he, what he put in the tweets is saying that all of a sudden he's looking for this money. And it's been kind of growing and growing. And there have been there have been reports, right? He wants a fully guaranteed contract. He doesn't want the fully guaranteed contract. I think he's looking for very much an almost fully guaranteed contract, where the reports now have been he wants more guarantees than the Deshaun Watson deal, 240 million, 250 million guaranteed. So if the Ravens offer him six years 300 with 250 or 260 guaranteed. I'm sure he'd probably take that, but to commit all that guaranteed money to one player, I think still is what owners are wary of. And even the fully guaranteed money in itself, like the Deshaun Watson deal, those owners clearly don't want to make that a trend. And I think there was a collective sigh of relief when that Kyler Murray deal was signed right after it. And there wasn't fully guaranteed money in there. So what Lamar is looking for owners across, it's not just the Ravens owners across the league just aren't looking to give that type of money out to Lamar right now. We hear multiple reports in the NFL owners meetings talking about how Lamar's contract negotiations right now and what those price points are for Lamar are non-starters for teams. And it has been a little shocking, the lack of interest in Lamar, a former MVP quarterback entering his sixth season that to me is, I don't know, it's a, it's a little fishy, I'm not going to lie, because teams like the Commanders with Jacoby Brissett and Sam Howell, like I'd much rather have Lamar, and I, I understand that you have to pay Lamar a boatload of guaranteed money and give up assets, whether that's two first-round picks on the offer sheet or something else. It's assets. I'm, I'm, I will not deny that. But at the same time, this is a proven player and a franchise quarterback. And it's just it's it's so hard for teams to actually hit on franchise quarterbacks. You know, you have these players like Daniel Jones and Derek Carr. And, you know, you can even go back like Matt Ryan and that deal. Like those are those are fine quarterbacks. Are they franchise type guys? Are they polarizing game changers? They're not, and they're getting paid boatloads of money. So to me, teams like the Falcons, teams like the Commanders, right? Teams like the Panthers. Well, the Panthers have the first round pick or the first overall pick, so I get it. But at the same time, it's like this is Lamar Jackson, and he he ups the ceiling of any NFL team. But in return for that, you know, the salary cap implications and the asset implications. But I don't know. It, it's interesting. So. For now, there just doesn't seem to be interest in Lamar, at least not what Lamar was expecting. And I'm sure that's a little frustrating for him. The trade request, the, the tweets of the trade request came out right as John Harbaugh, literally right as John Harbaugh was sitting down to actually talk about, you know, just the Ravens. And, and you know, he wasn't expecting this whole media barrage about Lamar's trade request, Lamar's trade request. Lamar tweeted that right as John Harbaugh sat down. I don't think that was pure coincidence. I do think there was some strategic thing involved with Lamar where he did tweet that when he did. And I'm sure it's all just built up frustration from him where he thought he was going to have a much better market than he did. He thought that he's done enough to, you know, earn whatever worth he thinks he is worth. 
and owners are just, you know, teams just not willing to give him that money. So with the Ravens in the negotiations, it just seems like there has been no middle ground. Lamar's at his price point. The Ravens are at their price point, And there's no, there seems to be very little of we'll come down to you or I'll go up to you. You know, it just feels like very little of that. So if Lamar were to get an offer from the Ravens like tomorrow or this weekend that says, all right, yeah, we'll, we'll go up to your price point or right up around your price point. If, if Lamar gets that from the Ravens, I'm sure he'll say, you know what? Cool. Let's do it. Let, let's make this happen and let, let's make a deal. I don't think it's irreparable, as I mentioned, but in a potential trade, you know, teams are looking to get as much value from Lamar as they can for as little assets given up. That is both money-wise and pieces-wise, draft picks and players and whatnot. But people look to the Russell Wilson trade, which I think is a fine barometer for a straight-up Lamar trade of multiple firsts, multiple seconds, multiple young players. That should be what the Ravens are aiming for. And anything less, I think, is a mismanagement of a situation. So there's still, I think, a long way to go. This could go beyond the draft, which I think would be a disaster for the Ravens. You know, hopefully they'll be able to get a top 10 pick this year if there is a trade going on. But there is a real possibility an extension would come down between the Ravens and Lamar because just the lack of interest so far. It seems like the Patriots and the Colts and the, all these teams have come out for one reason or the other and said they're not interested. So at the end of the day, I think Lamar is worthy. But teams have to decide that for themselves. And right now, there is still a little movement. But a trade request was put down by Lamar on March 2nd. And we'll see what ultimately that does for him moving forward. Coming up, though, in the final segment, we'll be diving into another AFC North team with Chris Carter of Locked On Steelers. So be sure to stay tuned. So lots to dive into on Locked On NFL. We're back. Our final segment, Locked On NFL, here on Monday. Kevin Ostriker still here with you again. Thank you so much for tuning in with us today, subscribing to our channel here on YouTube. We're subscribing in audio form. It's free both ways, no money involved. And we just talked about Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. And for more on the Ravens and, of course, my work, be sure to check out the Locked On Ravens podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. But now let's dive into the Steelers here with Chris Carter of Locked On. Steelers talking about their busy offseason. Let's dive into that now. The Pittsburgh Steelers have had a little bit of a busy offseason here, adding some pieces around the edges to a very good and potentially bright young core there. And here to talk about that with me is Chris Carter, the host of Locked On Steelers. And Chris, I know there's been a lot of talk about the AFC North division this offseason from Lamar Jackson to Orlando Brown Jr. going to Cincinnati. But Pittsburgh, I think, has had themselves a nice little offseason here, adding some depth pieces. I mean, what's your grade for them so far from these first couple of weeks? I, I think it's a B because they have been able to fill a lot of holes with veterans that are, I think, good locker room presences like Patrick Peterson coming in. Yes, they lose Cameron Sutton, who was a locker room leader for them. But now you get a veteran who has been around the NFL, well-respected everywhere, really likes Mike Tomlin, and he should be able to fit in there. And I think that's that's a big win. You get guys like Landon Roberts and Cole Holcomb, both guys who were captain, uh, captain uh, letters on their chest, uh, on their jerseys. For their respective teams, they get to plug into a linebacker position for a lot cheaper than what they had Miles Jack. And Miles Jack did okay for what he was, but the line, the off-ball linebacker position produced zero turnovers for the Steelers this past year. And turnovers are becoming the focus of this team. They get Keanu Neal to replace Terrell Edmonds, where I do think that in the, the overall measurements, 
I think Edmonds measures out to be a, a, a better option for what the Steelers want. But I think what Keanu Neal gets you is a another experienced defender who, if you keep him in a specific role and don't ask him to do a lot, he can be really good for you there and play really aggressively. You get him, you get Fahoko, uh, uh, Braden Fahoko from the Chargers, and just across the board. And of course, Isaac Samalo at guard. You're getting a lot of veteran presences who know how to be puzzle pieces and you know can be part of something that's bigger than them. The Steelers have the stars that they, that they like on their roster, right? They have uh, TJ Watt. They have Minka Fitzpatrick. They're excited about Kenny Pickett, Pat, Fry- Pat Fryermuth, Najee Harris, George Pickens, Deontay. They're excited about these guys, but they need guys to fill in different spots. And I think they did the first step of that by getting all these veterans who – aren't expensive. None of the guys they paid, they paid that they signed are going to be huge, you know, salary cap break, uh, backbreakers. They're all going to fill in, in those spots. And now it's put them in a position where you look at safety, they have starters. You look at corner, they have starters. You look at the offensive line, they have start starters, but each group can also definitely be improved in the draft. And now Omar Khan, Andy Weidel, Mike Tomlin, that, that front office, they don't have to be aggressive about one specific position. They can let it come to them and then say, Hey, if we really think this guy over here is great, we'll trade up for him. If not, we'll wait here or trade back. They've opened a lot of doors for themselves with this free agency period, and I think that was the biggest objective. Yeah, and one of those things you mentioned, the, the Patrick Peterson and Cam Sutton swap, Patrick Peterson coming in, Cam Sutton going out. I'm intrigued about just what you feel about that. Is is it a slight upgrade? Is it a slight downgrade? Is it a push? Well, what do both those guys bring, and what are the others getting in Patrick Peterson? Patrick Peterson's going to be a veteran leader, and he's also got ball skills that I think are really important to the Steelers. Terrell Austin, who's the Steelers' new defensive coordinator, um, I, I think that he is he, – when he he was the secondary coach before that for the Steelers. He has been prioritizing attacking the football for long. I mean, Kevin, you you, you saw the Steelers for years. Their, 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 their secondary used to be about everybody – let the ball, let them catch the ball and then tackle them short of the line line to gain. You know, make a play on the ball if it's there. But primary thing is let the let the, let the rest of the defense win. Unless it's Troy Polamalu, then you can just do whatever the heck you want. Um, but that's been the, the Steelers' mo. Now the Steelers they want their secondary. They just led the NFL in, in, in interceptions and they didn't get one of them from their off ball linebackers. They got two from TJ Watt. But they this is now a group that they want to be aggressive when the ball's in the air. They want to just go, they want them to go for turnovers. And so that's why they kept Levi Wallace who had a few interceptions. That's why they, they're keeping Mika Fitzpatrick. That's why they kept DeMonte KZ over Terrell Edmonds because Edmonds really solid tackler can, can, can kind of run with guys, but doesn't make plays in the ball. DeMonte KZ does Patrick Peterson last year. I believe he had five interceptions. He's another guy that's like that. And he's only been around for another year or two, but I think that's what's going to set up is they want to draft a young corner in a really good cornerback class who can, if he's not ready right away, learn behind a Patrick Peterson and learn what it takes to play at the NFL level and to what it takes to be what the Steelers want in a cornerback. And they think that Patrick Peterson will fit that role. Cam Sutton could have done that. And I think he would have, but the Lions gave him a contract that I think the Steelers weren't going to pay him for the, for the long term. And Patrick Peterson brings you a guy that brings that veteran level leadership with those ball skills. Cam Sutton had some ball skills, but he doesn't have Patrick Peterson ball skills. I think that's the difference there that short term, it'll be great, but they do need to hit on another young corner in this draft class to kind of complete this cornerback room. 
Right, and I think you're not really going to get a full scope of what the Steelers offseason is or any team's offseason is until the draft is complete. Exactly. And obviously Pittsburgh does have some picks to work with in that Chase Claypool trade, which still I just cannot believe to this day they got the 32nd overall pick out of that. Masterful work there <laughs> by Pittsburgh. But, you know, you talk about the AFC North, Chris, and we know this is a competitive division. All these teams can make some noise. Baltimore and Cincinnati and Cleveland alongside Pittsburgh. Based off what you've seen from the rest of the teams in the division and obviously what you've seen from Pittsburgh, where, where do you kind of slot them in right now in the division? I, I have them as I usually do. I think they're in they're they're right around Mount Rutmilly, fighting for second and third, maybe even first if a few things go their way. But like last year, I think it's between uh, the the Bengals, the Ravens, and the Steelers. I think the Browns are still in a rough position. I think the Ravens. Uh, I know that you cover them. Their moves this offseason hasn't well, they haven't made moves this offseason. Uh, I, I think that their and their situation with Lamar doesn't give rise to much hope for that for them. I, I think that if they if they can remedy the situation with Lamar, bring him back and get things in the fold and do well in the in the draft again, I think they can be a competitive team again. But I think the Steelers are gonna come in and be a better team than they were last year. Their defense, I think, is still gonna be prized in getting takeovers. I think their defense will be better this year because I think TJ Watt will be healthier for longer. And I think that they've done some really good jobs filling some spots with veteran presences who are going to, I think, hold a higher floor than some of their other guys did last year. And then offensively. Their offensive line's gotten be- is is getting better with Isaac Samalo coming in there. I think they're going to draft an offensive tackle to kind of boost boost that group as well. I think Kenny Pickett, Najee Harris, Jalen Warren, Pat Fryer, with Deontay Johnson, George Pickens. Now they're going to have a full year of having been together and working in an offense that they're familiar with. I think they're going to be better. I don't know. I don't think they're going to win the division. I still think that's that's the Bengals' claim right now. But I do think they're going to be right in that mix for like when we get into week fifteen, week sixteen, and you're going to be looking around and they're like, oh man, they're right in the mix of everything, and they'll be fighting for maybe the division, but definitely a playoff spot at that point in the season. And, and here's the thing: I think the Ravens could be there. I'm still shaky on the Browns. I just Deshaun Watson hasn't shown me it yet that makes me feel like he's going to get there um but still it's the it's the Bengals division right now because of the way they've been playing but I think the Steelers are ready to kind of be on the rise especially this year and if they hit on a couple of these draft picks because they got again they got three in the top 49 if they hit on two of them as 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 impact players watch out the Steelers are going to be a problem big thanks to Chris for Talking Steelers with me as, as we kind of look at where they are in this AFC North race and what they could continue to do here as the offseason continues. And for more on Chris's work in the Steelers, be sure to check out that Locked On Steelers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. That's all I have for you here the other day on Locked On NFL. Thank you so much for tuning in with us today. And be sure to subscribe, audio form, video form for free. We'll make it back here tomorrow. It's more NFL content from your Tuesday host. So be sure to stay tuned for that. And we'll see you right back here tomorrow.